Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, episode 58 of the Talk and Power podcast. I'm Nick DeCembra. I'm here with co-host Simon Gonzo Travellini and Todd Brinkworth. How are you guys? Yeah, getting there this week. Everyone, you know? Everyone's fast to answer. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, we, we don't are. blow me over with your excitement. <laughs> we are one week away from not having to listen to the United Australia Party <laughs> adverts. Or get their yeah, text messages from what I see. <laughs> did, did you did you hear the story about the text message, did you? I, I saw I saw something that you may have posted on social media. Oh, yeah. okay. How did you see that? I just see it said Simon Travellini commented on this, so I, I had a read. Okay. Well, for those of you that, that don't stalk me on Facebook, I never get on Facebook anyway. So no, it's not a story, but I, I mean, I was curious to know what, you, what your thoughts were. The United Australia Party. What's, what's the guy's name again? Clive Palmer. Clive Palmer. He has managed to find $70 million to pay for this campaign fund. Mm-hmm. I saw which that. Is, which is pretty amazing. 50, I think he said on the radio. That's a fair effort. 50. 50, he, 50 yeah, yeah, he claims 50, but everyone else is sort of suggesting 70. There's probably 50 that's gone to advertising and 20 that's gone to backhanders. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, look, I mean, he was on, he was on um, local radio and he said that it was 50 million. It's good, good that he could come on local radio, it but he, local. He, he couldn't come on our radio show, no, could no, he? I don't no, think he, I don't think I don't think so. I'll get to that in a minute. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm just trying to find this text message, which I probably should have prepared, but I didn't know we were going to start by talking about that. Here we go. So so on Wednesday, on Wednesday, I don't know what date it was, but on Wednesday, Wednesday <laughs> last Wednesday. week. Yeah, Wednesday last week. I got a text message at 2 p.m. That's Western Standard Time for, for Eastern Staters there. United Australia Party's official campaign launch event. Watch it here, and then there's a there's a link, and uh, that that message is directly below the message that I received on on Wednesday. It must be a Wednesday thing. They always release it on Wednesdays. They must push out on a Wednesday. Yeah. <clears throat> must be uh, along with anything else they're pushing out at the same time. <laughs> so Wednesday, the sixteenth of January at three thirty nine p.m. Uh, when elected. And I quote, when elected, United Australia Party will ban unsolicited political text messages, which Labor and Liberal have allowed. And then there's a there's a link. Um, I, I find that ironic that the, the very next test me- text message is from them. And yeah, that's why I posted on their site. I, I did read that. I read that with quite a bit of interest, actually. I just thought it was, you know, it was um, appropriate that, that I... You know, say to it would be nice if your political parties could actually practice what you preach. You know, God forbid. But but, but, but listen, I'm very concerned. the The election's a week away, mm. and I'm very very concerned because, uh, like it or not, if and you know we always get accused. You and I, in particular, Nick, we mm. we get accused of liberal bashing all the time on this show. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, we may have done a fair bit of liberal bashing with good old Colin Barnett there and, and Ned Flanders, uh, which, why is he still in politics? How is did he, he become how, a leader? How, how is he in politics? I haven't not not seen Barnett, him. Ned Flanders. Yeah, Ned Flanders. I haven't seen him for ages. Yeah, yeah. He's still, he's still there. Still, I know he's still, he's still there. He's still a leader. He's, he's 
off like the they, radar completely. Should, oh, mate, they should do more than get him off the radar. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, but but in this instance, you know, uh, Bill Shorten, his policies scare me, and and you know, we've got a week left before this is before we ultimately find out the fate of our nation. Mm. And I say it in that manner because it feels as though we're going to the AFL tribunal and we, do, we don't know what we're going to be doing for the next three or four years. <laughs> we could, could be the end of us. Could be another ball tampering incident. Who knows? Uh, if he gets in and he brings in this electric EV policy, by 2030, my estimates are there's going to be three million more people unemployed than there are now. Mm. And the cost... Uh, of owning a vehicle is going to be unrealistic. So I I reached out to uh, my local member, which which is uh, Patrick Gorman. Mm. Now, that seat of Perth that that is in my electorate, it's, it's, it's one that, you know, they always talk about the things that are going on, Labor always likes to, to bring up the leadership challenges and so on in the Liberal Party. That particular seat used to be Alana McTiernan's seat, mm. um, which uh, then got taken over by Tim Hammond. Yes. And and, and um, I met Tim, right? Had, had a couple of meetings with Tim. Absolute top bloke. Mm. Um, this is when I was... Uh, heading up one of the lobby groups that was trying to stop the, the high-rise developments in Bayswater. They want to build 10-storey buildings everywhere, which they're probably still going to push through, but, uh, you know, we managed to put a bit of a bit of a dent in, a bit of a delay. And while I was dealing with Tim, he, he met uh, myself and, and uh, the representatives of, of all the lobby groups in the area that were, that were pushing for it. And I remember him going through all the all the different things that, that the correct procedure protocol that we needed to follow and we ex- explained that we'd exhausted all those uh, possibilities and he and he just put his his head in his hands and shook his head and I thought this guy's not cut out for politics and it would have been three weeks later that he quit yes. <laughs> so, so so anyway I, I wrote to Patrick Gorman because that is the due uh, process that mm. is the correct protocol to, to follow and I asked him, you know, well, what it, what's going to happen to all these people that are going to lose their jobs? So I want everyone out there to have a bit of a think about this because a lot of people say, three million, how'd you get to that number? Well, um, ultimately, if the goal is to, to stop burning fossil fuels, well, you, you're not going to need service stations, mm-hmm. true? Yep. That's, and that's ultimately what his goal is, okay? So you think about every service station, they employ between three and six people. Mm. I normally have three shifts. Some have two people on per shift. Some have one. Okay, then you've got the people that deliver the fuel, right? So all those service stations gone, all the people that work there gone, all the fuel delivery trucks gone, okay? Then you've got the service industries that, that, you know, service the cars. Obviously, there's no oil to change in an electric car, no spark plugs, right? So the likelihood of people needing to service them as often as you need to service a normal petrol car you know, is, is far less. And obviously service people that specialise in that, they're not going to be doing it. The people that supply the oils, the, the LSMs and places like that around, they're not going to need to be around. The Repcos, the Veals, mm. you're not going to need them. What are you going to go in there to buy? Mm. Some fabric softener for your seats or something. Right? You know, like seriously, what? <laughs> you don't need to change the oil because there isn't any. You yeah. don't need to change the spark plugs, the leads, coils. You don't need a radiator cap. They haven't got a radiator. Mm. So you start looking at it from that perspective, you know, the transmission shops, both automatic and manual, they don't have transmissions. They've got electric motors. So, you know, and if they're AC, 
they're brushless. Yeah. So you don't even need to change the brushes. You start adding it up, you know, that's a lot of job losses and that's a lot of people that are now, right now, those people are doing their apprenticeships. So yeah. you're, if you're a motor mechanic apprentice now, you're, and you went through this when you did your, your study, mm. you came out of your, your you know, got your uh, diploma. Associate diploma. Associate yep. diploma and worked for a couple of years and then found that the, the job was obsolete. Mm. Well, this is what the motor mechanics are going to find. Mm. Yep. You know? So the, the other thing is that every time... So I wrote to them and I asked them all these questions and they just did what Bill Shorten does whenever he gets interviewed about it. He just dodged the questions, did not talk about it. And they made the point of saying that, that uh, the electric vehicles will save households. They're very, very confident in this statement. Approximately $2,500 a year. Right now, I'm going to assume, because they, they wouldn't tell me how they worked it out. I, I explained to them how I worked everything else out. And I wanted to know, you know, are you guys going to subsidize some retraining? Because I'm one of the guys affected, mm. you know. And, uh, you know, they just have avoided the question. Okay, so I'm going to assume, because they didn't, they didn't show me how they came to this figure, that the, what they're saying is the average household uses $50 a week worth of petrol. Yep. 50 weeks, two and a half grand. They haven't factored in what a battery pack costs for an EV. Now, the last time I priced it up, it was around five to 7000 and you needed to get a specialist to fit it. Um, and, and there was a, you know, a decent expense involved in, in that side of it. Then you've got, you know, you, the whole purpose of this is we're going to try and look after the environment. What are you going to do with those old battery packs? Because mm. they are way more toxic and carcinogenic than anything that's out there at the moment. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, yeah, I just, I, I'm really nervous about this election. And, and um, you know, I, I understand that, that if we don't change the government, then, you know, we can't expect any change. But, I mean, the big question to me, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, is that uh, neither party has really addressed what your average person, your average person on the street really cares about and that's the cost of living yep i don't think either party i don't think any of them the greens uh united australia no one has sort of said we need to cap this we need to to really you know do something about this and and i i had a really good think about this because you know i always say on this show that I don't want us to be criticised as being the ones that ask the questions. I want us to put forward solutions. And we've joked about this in the past, in, in you know, past episodes. But the, the, the question here is, why is the cost of living going up? Okay, now, I want you guys to think about this. I want all the people listening in to think about this. If the fundamental cost of everything is, is wages, labour... Because right? ultimately, if you say, well, iron ore went up, right? well, why did it go up? Because the machine cost more. Well, who made the machine? At the end mm. of the day, the only cost involved in everything is labour. Yep. Right? That's, it, it doesn't matter if it's the guy operating the machine or the guy making the machine, the labour content... The parts, someone had to make them. The labour content, oh, no, we had a CNC machine. Someone had to design that CNC machine. Someone had to make the parts for it. So ultimately, 
the labor cost is really the cost of everything. That's the fundamental cost of everything. If we haven't seen wages growth in the last 10 to 15 years, yet the cost of everything has gone up exponentially, well, how does that work? Mm. So, so I believe that the only explanation that exists is greed, right? number one. Number two, the, the main costs that concern all of us, energy, whether it be fuel prices, electricity, gas, energy costs, registration, mm. you know, because if you've got a car, whether it be electric or not, you've got to pay the reg on. used to be about 70 bucks when, <laughs> when I got my license. Now it's like 750 yeah, bucks, yeah. right? Okay, so that's going up exponentially, okay? Rates, you know, it, it, regardless of whether you own the house or you're renting, some form of, of rates is incorporated into your cost, whether you're paying the rates or your landlord's paying rates and land tax, right? For those of you that pay it directly, you see how much it's gone up. It's, it's gone up like tenfold, mm. right? All of those things that I've mentioned are all controlled by the government. Every single one of those. And yet the government are the ones that are they're talking about implementing more policies to make things more expensive. And none of them have talked about... They, they sort of glance on the, oh, we want to make energy cheaper. Mm. Well, you told us the solar panels was going to do that and all the prices have gone up. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I just... Everyone out there, the next week, you really need to put some effort into thinking about who you're going to vote for. And uh, regardless of who it is, just remember you're stuck with them for the next four years. <laughs> and while we're having that thought, we'll take a break and we'll be back right after this. Okay, welcome back to the Talking Bower podcast, also on 88.5 FM, where the valley comes alive. MotoGP last night, Simon. Yeah. You know what didn't come alive? The Jerez circuit didn't come alive. <laughs> no, it didn't, did it? It wasn't. It was, it, it was a fair bit of anticipation in it. and um, You know what? I thought that this was going to be the race of the century. You know, whenever you get these new young guns in there, and, and they do well in qualifying. You just expect... I mean, we saw it before. And he, he's French as well. Mm, we saw French, it yeah. as well with... Uh, um, I've forgotten his name now. Johan Zarko. <laughs> we, uh, we saw it before with Zarko. Mm. And, uh, you know, he, he may not have uh, delivered the goods, but... He got out there and he, he made him work for it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Really, at the end of the day, it was tired degradation that always let him down because mm. he usually started with the softs. But, you know, I, ha I had big expectations for these two, for, for uh, uh, Fabio Quattroaro. But what was it? Was it transmission failure in the end that, that got him? The, the linkage. So where you put your foot, um, the arm that that connects to. So... So you've got the actual bit that you push down and pull mm. up on, right? And and that's got an arm coming off it, and then there's a linkage rod. Yeah. Well, the linkage rod, where it attaches to the arm, got jammed. All right, and he, okay. he couldn't get gears. Yeah, this so, is on the Yamaha. On the Yamaha. But, mm. I mean, you got to wonder, what did they do different to the factory team? 
I mean, they're, they're the same chassis, apparently. Yeah. According to, uh, I, I um, checked out a couple of interviews with uh, Rossi, and uh, you know, he made it quite clear that their bikes are, are pretty much the same as the the factory bikes that um, Rossi and um, uh, Vignales are on. Yeah. Vignales, I thought, you know, put up a good challenge. I mean, Rossi, nonetheless, qualifying so badly, um, he did make the best of a, a bad situation. Mm. I mean, he finished sixth in the end. Yeah. And I think he started in 13th. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, but Mark Marquez, he just walked. He made it look so easy. Towards the end, I don't even think he was really, you know, after... after um, uh, well, uh, more... Morbidelli. Morbidelli came off first. Yeah. And uh, do you think he was holding up Quattraro? I'm really struggling with these names, Nick. Quattraro. 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 You know, I practiced it last night about 50 (laughs) times because I knew I I was going to... He's also the youngest pole sitter ever. He he is the youngest pole sitter. Marquez was also 20, Mm. but uh, he pipped him by a few weeks, I believe. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Uh, do you think that if, uh, I mean, you know, if the gearbox linkage was going to fail, it was going to fail. Poor kid, he was he was pulling his eyes yeah, out. Yeah, he was. Um, do you think that if uh, uh, more Bidelli had have moved out of the way and, 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 and let him go? Him. Yeah. Yeah. Because I tell you what, he was making some ground. He was making some ground on Marquez. Now, whether Marquez was only at like nine-tenths, you know, you, you will never really know. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, what... It, what um, and, yeah, Miller dropped it. That's pretty standard. Well, it was in the last lap, wasn't it? It was two laps to go, <laughs> two sorry. Two laps to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, Complete, well, it wasn't completely blameless in that incident, by the way. I don't... It wasn't. No, 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 no. He, he, um, he got tagged by... Um, it was the guy in the Aprilia. I've got Asparo here, but I don't think it was him. No, it wasn't. It was... Um, oh, I can't think of his name. But he, he, he came in on the inside. Miller's come in on the inside, and he's he's come across, and they, you know there's been contact. No, it was, actually. It was Asparo. Oh, was it? Yes, it was. Well, there you go. There yeah. you go. The other thing I wanted to just quickly it's touch unusual, on... It's unusual. You know, he's usually a pretty clean rider. Yeah. Yeah, no, but it was him. The other thing that I wanted to touch on, um, I know this just won't go away, Lorenzo and his lack of performance. Oh, no, I was was heading heading right there. (laughs) That's where I was going. Um, So he he really told everyone he was going to fire a shot at this round. Mm -hmm. Jerez, he said, Jerez, I'm going to, you know, you'll see me go. Yep. And he did nothing. Mm. You know, Marquez, like I said, he just walked away. Um, but Lorenzo did nothing, and and he actually he was getting slower as the race went on. Mm. Uh, look, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it's the fuel tank, maybe it's the seat. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm sure he's going to find something to blame it on. I finished in twelfth position, Jorge. So not looking too good no, for him. No. Uh, on a good note, I mean, it was a span. It was a Spanish race. Spain's came in first, second, and third, so they held the podium. Yes, so. yes, they did. Uh, and it was good to see a good um, good mix mm. of the motorcycles there. Yeah, so we've got uh, Honda, Suzuki, Yamaha, and Ducati. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Alex, Rin, Alex Rin's, um, you know, coming second. Another podium for um, for Suzuki. Mm. Uh, you know, they, I think those, those guys have done a fantastic job 
to get that that bike up to speed in such a short yeah um, you know they short space have. of time. So uh, a great look, result for the sport, I think. They're looking quite competitive. The the um the Suzuki now it's like it's only taken this year, but they're looking quite competitive. Yeah, yeah, I think they're in there, definitely in their um in form. Mm. You know, um, now <laughs> the supercars, Nick. Yes, I heard that you got some top interviews. Yeah, we got some. We got some. I'm, I'm hanging out to here. hear these. They're only short. Yeah. They're very, very short. So yeah, the, the Dick Johnson one's probably just a brief. I'll call it a doorstop because that's a, that's the only way I could get to talk to him as a doorstop. Now like, I also heard. I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that uh, there was a Roger Penske interview. No, there's no. I, I spoke with him, but I didn't get an interview. Did you get it? Did you get the Scotty McLaughlin? <laughs> yeah, I got the Scotty McLaughlin handshake. <laughs> <laughs> the odds got walked straight past. That was interesting. I did see that on TV. Uh, in, in, at the track, actually, they were showing that again. So, no. Nah. <laughs> Look, it was a great weekend. If you if you haven't heard about it, go to our website, and I've written a little blog there about the whole the whole weekend. But it was an absolutely magnificent weekend. Now we were we should mention you know the WA Sporting Car Club Supercars and the WA government the Tourism Bureau have done a magnificent job. Just need to see more promotion of this event in the eastern states. I spoke with a few people over in the east and they weren't really aware of of this event. So I mean to get the tourism here and the people here, we just probably need to do a little bit more work there. But the event itself was magnificent. I know we had concerns about lighting of the infrastructure and the toilet facilities. That was really good done very well done very well and getting in and out of the track as well was really easy helps if you stay till after the race and watch the gt series as well that was magnificent um and that that i was able to leave no problem at all so the gt under lights that would have been awesome that was wild that was good that was good so do you think the uh, the parody issue is going to raise its ugly head again? I don't think so. No, I think I think we've heard the end of that now. I think that's been put to bed. So the the rear wing has worked really well on the Mustangs. It slowed the Commodores down just fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so the thing is, though, right? Can you imagine poor old Scotty McLaughlin, right? And Fabian. Yeah. Um, they have worked their asses off. You know, you can you can really see the enthusiasm this year. Mm. Um, and they they want to be at the pointy end. They really want to win as much as they can, and they're succeeding in that. Mm. And everyone's saying, "Oh, it's the car." Yeah, yeah. That's a bit. It's a bit of a kick in the teeth, really. Well, look, it it, it may it may have been, but the changes that we saw to slow them down had no impact at all. Because if anything, it's elevated Chas Mostert and Cam Waters because they had podium positions on both nights. Look, we spoke with Dick Johnson. Let's just have a listen to what he had to say about the whole issue. Thanks. Dick, Nick from the Talking Power podcast. Thanks for joining us. Sure. Welcome back to Western Australia. Um, you've been here many years. Um, how are things going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. They've obviously done a lot of improvements, certainly to the surface of the racetrack. It's been resurfaced and, uh, and everything's going really well. The elephant in the room will ask it. The rear wing changes, has it affected you guys much? Mate, don't ask me. I don't know any of that crap, you know. You might as well go and ask the engineers. They're the ones that tell you that. No, no worries, no worries. And I see Roger's in town as well this, this week. Great to have him on board. Yeah, he comes over to Perth uh, pretty much every year because he has a lot of business interests over here and and uh, he, he does a lot of interaction with his customers and that. So uh, 
But it's always great to have him around the race team, and he really loves this series. He really does. I can see that. I mean, yeah, he's, he's certainly engaged with this series, and you guys are doing really well. Hey, look, Dick, we'll let you get back to it, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. No, my pleasure, mate. Cheers. Thank you. So, so, um, so what you're sort of suggesting, and what I gathered there, that the, under, the undertones there, is that maybe the supercars should have given the Fords a bigger win to slow them down. <laughs> Is that it would appear that way, yeah. wouldn't it? It's just kind of. I remember this happening to John Zapier. <laughs> Do you remember when they made him shorten his wing? Yeah, and he went faster. <laughs> right. <laughs> what were the guys thinking? Of course, if you take away the the drag, it's going to go faster. <laughs> look, Scotty. Look, what I really liked about this on Friday night in qualifying, Scotty laid down the gauntlet, and and the the triple eight. I don't know. He'd, he'd laid down a fast time, track record, I might add. Uh, not the overall record. Gary Westwood uh, has that. But Scotty had the track record. Um, 52.9, I think it was. Didn't really need to go out again. Win Cup and Van Gisbergen weren't likely to run that sort of number. Uh, but Scotty asked for another set of tyres and went out again and betted that time once again. So he really cemented... And psychologically, I don't know. I don't think it played any part against the Triple Eight, but it's certainly he laid down a time, and it was really great to be there. Actually, it was uh, quite quite. That was Friday afternoon, actually. Do you, do you think this format's working? Because I, I did hear a lot of teams complain that having fifteen minutes to service the car didn't really, you know, work for them. No, I don't think so either. And it was a bit confusing for the crowd as well. So the qualifying worked. That the the, the the bottom 15 from practice went out in the first qualifying section and session and only the top 10 would move on to the next qualifying session does that make sense yeah yeah <laughs> but it was it was confusing for the crowd they probably didn't understand why five cars were moved on or didn't didn't progress. Sounds like a Thunder Four Hundred system. Yeah, well, so, it's very Formula One issues. I'm about well. to say you're the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> three, three round format or something. <laughs> round <laughs> robin. So yeah, and then the, the cars, you know, the, and that was probably for the Friday. That was probably my only criticism of the event was that that was Friday afternoon. Still not a lot of people there yet for qualifying on Friday. So that would be, if anything, the sounds Thunder. just like Thunder Four Hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, let's go on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Yeah, I reckon that's all going to be edited out. Anyway, <laughs> so Friday night we moved on to Friday night. Now, just to to, to touch uh, Super Twos as well. They were magnificent. The Super Two guys were were really good. They put on a great show. I really enjoyed that. They were in the twilight of the evening. So coming down the back straight, the <laughs> sun, <laughs> the sun was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Like had straight through the straight through the windshield. But you know, like, it was probably like Vedenin going up Pike's Peak one-handed. That, <laughs> yeah, that sort of. <laughs> if you have never seen that, you should look up the hill hill dance. No, climb dance. Cli- cloud dance. No, climb dance. Climb dance. Ari Ari Vatnin. Ari Vatnin in an Audi Peugeot. Peugeot. Oh, sorry. Peugeot two hundred six shot down. <laughs> 206 or 201 or something? Either 206 or a 406 T16. There you go. It doesn't mean a lot. It doesn't mean anything. That record's been smashed by an electric car. He, he, God, I hate to say things like that. And let's just add on bitumen. (laughs) Yes. The whole track is now bitumen. Yes, so so he set that record 
a long, long time ago. Sideways. Yeah, it was sideways for the whole... On dirt, and, and the Yanks were so upset, they built the most ridiculous machines to try and... And, and they, they used uh, the dirt binder, and they still couldn't beat him. And it wasn't until they bitumized that track. Did, didn't they do that film to, to David Bowie's... Um, Jeez, what's that song called? No. David Bowie's. No, no, no. It was done to a classical piece, I believe. Yeah, correct. But they've also, music there was. The rest no. was car noise. <clears throat> they've also done it to... Um... No, you're wrong. <laughs> and you're going to say, David Bowie, we could be heroes, aren't you? No, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't that coody. It was a good song. It was one of his Seth songs. wrote that, that song. Yes, he did. But yeah. he, he, it, was, it was a good song. It was one of his good... <clears throat> it was a good... You're saying here is a good song. That film has won multiple awards. That is that is a piece of art. Yeah, it is. It's like um, please don't associate it with David Bowie. It's like Rendezvous. Have you guys ever seen Rendezvous? Yes. Yeah, that's Brilliant. been debunked. That's been demystified. Yeah. Demystified. The, yeah. What's Rendezvous? Well, we should add a section to the podcast, I believe, on uh, reviewing car films. <laughs> Rendezvous was a seven-minute video, and it was always alleged that it was a Ferrari two hundred and fifty GTB or GT GTO. Want to be GTO, like yeah. a thirty-five million pound. Well, the camera it was done in nineteen seventy-six. The yeah. film would have been a two hundred and sixty Z with a body kit on. <laughs> well, it's turned out that it wasn't a Ferrari at all. You never see the car in the film. The camera's mounted to the front bumper, and then. Um, it's only just been. It's, <laughs> it's only come out now. Car. It was a Mercedes. It was a Mercedes 450 SLE or SSEL, and it was a V8 Mercedes as opposed to a V V12 Ferrari. But the sound they put the sound of a Ferrari oh, over, yeah. like bullet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much Steve like bullet McQueen with so, the 50 speed gearbox with the split diff. <laughs> 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 the Road Ranger with the split diff. <laughs> so check out Rendezvous if you ever get a chance as well. Forget Rendezvous. Yeah, no, let's, rendezvous. let's just get it. Let's get back to where we were. <laughs> so yeah, the Super 2 is coming down the hill and the, I'll take my hat off to those guys. But that was really great atmosphere for the Super 2s at the twilight. It's getting dark. My only criticism... Two now would be <laughs> my would, only <laughs> would be heading into that we had an hour break between the super twos and the the starting of the supercars. I think that was a little bit long. We could have had this guy that we're about to talk to, Aldo Di Paoli, come out. In the historic touring cars were absolutely magnificent. So if and you, and do burnouts around the track? Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. So so can you tell me something? Um, so why didn't they have like drift cars come out in that hour break? I, I don't think. Or have no, people you know playing what? the bongo I'll, drums? I was about or... to ask you this myself, actually. So thank you, Simon, <laughs> because they've done it in years past. Had yeah, the, had the drift guys out there. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I. Th- there was. A... So what did they do for an hour? Look. What they did was introduce the drivers and the cars came out. That took probably 15, oh. 20 minutes. Oh, really? But still, we had a 40-minute 40 minute, 40 minute so gap So it was like there. a school ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Parade lap. But it was it was still kind of good. We had the lights shining. And this and is uh, Nick DiCembro and his date. <laughs> <laughs> Nick DiCembro and his XW Falcon. 
coming down at 65 kilometres an hour. And he's waving to the crowd there. <laughs> Just now shifting into second gear on the tree. <laughs> and... Is yours manual or auto? Yeah, manual. Mine's three manual. on the tree. Three on the tree. Oh, oh. Shit. You know that that's a top loader gearbox? Is it really? Yeah, it's a three-speed top loader. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... <laughs> That's what they are. I'm serious. It'd be nice if it had a fourth gear, to be honest. <laughs> it's ready for the track. No, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, anyway, I can't do over 100 Ks in it. I can't go over 100 with it. It's impossible. I don't know. I don't know. What What do you want me to say? It doesn't go over 100 Ks. That's why I always thought that third wasn't... Because it's revving too hard? Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't... Are you sure? It just, yeah. it, just the motor's rattling that hard that you... Maybe, sounds maybe like it sounds like it's... <laughs> you know, I know I've got Bill's transmission. He might be able to help you. I don't touch that Overdrive. Overdrive. Six-speed out of a BA or something in there. <laughs> well, we, may as well, we may as well put a little... We may as well put a six-cylinder turbo in it then as well. You could, you could do that legally. Mm. Yeah. 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 That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. We'll, have to, we'll have to revisit that. Uh, <coughs> that uh, what's the, the modification? VSP14. That's the it? one, VSP14. Yeah. Barrage. Find out the, the latest. <laughs> there is a lot going on there. We should probably get one of those guys on, actually. Anyway, we've digressed once again. <laughs> now, you were telling us about Aldo Di Paoli. Yeah, Di Paoli. So let's just catch up with Aldo here. We had a quick, quick interview with him. Okay, I'm here with Aldo Di Paoli. Aldo, what a magnificent race, and thanks for joining us on the Talk and Power podcast. Yeah, thanks, Nick. It's all good. Yeah, no, we had a good run. Well, I think we need to explain to our listeners, um, you came from last to first. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had 10 laps, so rear field, uh, yep, and in 10 laps we got the job done, and plus in between there I think it was a 40-second um, uh, delay from 50% of the field, yeah. So. That, that's the other important thing I should have mentioned. That's right, it was 40 seconds, so the other, the rest of the field had uh, was already around uh, to almost a cold, and you were just getting going. So is that something you do often, like uh, coming from last to first? It was an amazing run. No, no, we've, uh, look, we've only got the car last year, so um, we grabbed the car, did a bit of racing over east and come back, and um, so we're still really trying to find our feet with it, and um, you've been really lucky, we use Matt here at a, um, AMS um, Racing, Matt looks after a lot of our stuff, and you know, Matt's worked with us today, and yeah, so, I mean, look, it's a good car, it's a well sorted car, and we're, we're lucky to be uh, steering it, I suppose, yeah. Well, not just steering it, you're also drifting it as well, that last lap was awesome. Yeah, oh look, I mean, you got to do it for the crowd, don't you? You know, that's what we enjoy, and uh, look, I enjoy it, you know, a, a bit of a taily sort of car, so yeah, and I think the crowd like it, the young kids like it, it goes back to the roots of the sport, doesn't it? It certainly does, I think everyone likes it, Eldo, I don't think, and I'm really, it would have been nice to have you guys on a little bit later on, and so you could be right in front of the crowd, because I, I think everyone that was that I was with really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, it's good, and, and and look, it's always appreciative to uh, to hear that, and it's good to see the young kids when you when you come in, and uh, they all uh, have a bit of a laugh at uh, at you know what it is and the age of the cars, and yeah, I mean, look, and they're hard to a point to steer, you know, they got drum brakes at the back, they got disc, so they're they're really a period car, so you know, once you sort of dial them in, it's it's about nurturing them, and um, and you know, they do fade away pretty quick, so you've always got to be on, you know, so you're constantly pumping the brakes up to get a brake pedal and. But, yeah, look, it's, it's fun. We should probably explain. It's a 67 Camaro, that one? Or? She, she's a 69 Camaro. 69. Yep, 69 Camaro, 350 Chev, nothing special. 
um, you know, standard Muncie gearbox, four-speed, um, standard, um, you know, the 12-bolt uh, um, Chev diff in them, drum brakes at the rear, discs at the front, um, and that's it. You know, just hop in and wheel it and have some fun. It's an awesome car to watch. Eldo, look, I really appreciate your time on the podcast. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope to see a lot more of you in the future. Thanks very much, Nick. Appreciate it. So thanks, Eldo, for his time coming on the podcast. That was great. Um, also, the GT series, that was really... I really enjoyed that. Uh, probably not enough cars yet. I think we need still a few, probably another five or six cars to make it interesting. A lot of guys probably didn't come over. At this stage, I think the the free-to-air television was only announced uh, two or three weeks ago. So this it wasn't going free-to-air, this event, until... Most, very very until recent. they sold enough tickets yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah so that may have changed the outcome for a lot of those guys had they known it was going to be free to air because the numbers were were pretty good for free to air were pretty good we're talking um it was well over two hundred thousand on the saturday night so viewers yeah 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 which is good we're going up against pretty stout football two football games as well so who was playing? It was West Coast, and but that was only Western Australia live on free to air. West Coast and Gold Coast, and I can't recall who the the other game was. North Melbourne, and I can't remember. So not bad numbers there on the back of that. Not bad numbers at all. Anyway, race race two on the Saturday night, we saw. So anyway, we just recap Friday night. We had the the Penske uh, Mustangs coming first and second, but it was Fabian who who um, got the better start on the on the start of the race, basically, and was never really headed. Performed the undercut quite well. Came in a couple of laps earlier than what Scotty did. And, uh, sorry, and also came in a couple of laps before Wing Cup and Van Gisbergen, and that really cemented their position. So, listen, Nick, the, mm. the, the supercars at Barbagallo, I know mm. everyone out there will want to know, how were the super utes? Absolutely terrible, Simon. <laughs> They were terrible. So I, I can't handle my heart. I mean, I don't. The event overall great. The 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 atmosphere was great. The supercars were great. Super twos were great. Historic touring cars were great. GT series were great. The Utes just. Uh, it's just there is nothing to get excited about. And uh, let's be truthful here. They even they even lowered them to make them uh, faster and handle better. Yeah. But how do you how do you Terrible. lower a tradies U? Like did the, did they channel the bodies? Like they use some old nineteen fifties hot rod skills there? Box the frame rails, you know. <laughs> Box the frame. I don't know. They didn't look lower to me, to be honest. But just what I heard. That that tires are howling. I, I watched. <laughs> did we get a laptop? So for those of you that that have never listened to the show before, we've got a, um, a Toyota Camry. Uh, that that uh, we turned into a drag car. I don't know why we did it. To be honest, but I think it kind of got lost in translation. But we did put we did put a challenge out there that that uh, once we knew how how quick these things went around, Barbie Gallows, we want to take the Camry up there and see if we can top it. So have we got a, to- a time to work for? Yeah, one minute twelve. One minute twelve. I'll tell you, the challenge is on. No, the no, Camry's no. going to take the Super Utes on. I really don't think that's going to be a struggle at all. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. Anyway, so do you know? Do you know who won the Super Utes? No, 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 no idea. Was it? Do you know a brand? No, no. Okay, no, no. Should we I, change honestly, the subject? Yeah, I had no 
Sorry. Fun facts. Fun facts. Yeah, look, fun facts. Let's talk some fun <laughs> facts. So this year was the forty second time the Australian that the, the Australian Touring Car Championship Virgin Australia Supercars had visited uh, Barbagallo Raceway. The first round was in 1973, and since 78, it's hosted every round except for 2010, which I think we spoke about a couple of episodes ago. Yes, we did. We did. Bubba Gallo Raceway becomes just the fourth venue to hold a night race in Supercar Championship history. So it was Calder Park in 80. I didn't realise it was that long ago. I do recall wow. that. 1980. That was amazing. I do remember the, the footage, but I didn't realise it was in 1980. Uh, that been Supercars in 80. No, that that's been the Group yeah, C. Yeah. yeah the big cars, bangers. The big bangers. The real V8 Supercars. They are. Yep. <laughs> They're and, actually, you know... They have some DNA of the road car in them. They have a lot of DNA <laughs> of the road driven, car. What, dra- driven the Sunday, bought on Monday, isn't it? No, oh, that was... No, no, yeah. we win on Sunday. Oh, no, that was a drag racing Sunday. thing. Drag no, racing. no, they used it in the, drag old, the old days as well. Drag, drag racing. I remember. That was Tasker Ford. Bob, Bob Tasker. Yes. He was the one that coined it. And that was from the Superstock Wars. It was, it was, yeah. We're on Sunday, uh, sell on Monday. Where companies like Ford and Chrysler would build these ridiculous cars and say that they were factory built. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's where the term funny car came from. Right? So they, they released these cars. So you had super stock and the, the traditional cars were double S-A and double S-double-A. The single A meant um, manual and the double A meant automatic, I think. Something mm. along those lines. V8 you know, etc. And so you had the 426 Dart, I think, was, yeah. the, was the the Chrysler's weapon of choice. That This was after the Ram Chargers and, you know, all those, the evolution. And um, the Mustang 427 or something. And then the cars, the Chrysler was the first one to do it, the, the altered wheelbase cars. So what they did was they moved... To get more weight over the back wheels, they moved the differential forward. So basically, the front of the rear tyre was in line with the back of, of the door. Mm. Like yeah. So they moved the diff forward, you know, about a foot and a half or something. And then they moved the front wheels forward to the point where they were nearly touching the front bumper. So they basically slid the body back and that moved the motor back. And they showed up for scrutineering, and the NHRA went, "What the? Are you serious <laughs> or what? How are these things factory?" So, because Chrysler was and still are very big in, mm. in supporting the NHRA, the NHRA decided to start this class called AFX. The FX stands for Factory Experimental, and they are ultimately what, what became Nitro Funny Cars. Wow! They started oh, yeah. to tip the can in. Yeah, bit of pop uh-huh. in there, match race them. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> bit of useless trivia for you. Oh, Some fun facts there. Yeah. <laughs> While we're in the fun facts section. Educational as well as good listening. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was good. It was good. Hey, um, yeah, so where we at? We uh Yeah, so David Reynolds started his three hundred uh, start uh, at this at Barbagello. That was great to see him there. He wasn't didn't have the Best weekend, but they came good by sort of later on Saturday evening. Yeah, that's was, amazing that that's his 300 start because I always think of Davey Reynolds as one of the young guns. Yeah, no, he's not, <laughs> he's not anymore, anymore no, is he? No, no. no. Uh, 
championship leader, Scott McLaughlin, now racks up six wins at Barbagallo. Uh, Mark, believe it or not, Mark Winterbottom is the most successful active driver at Barbagallo. So, great, great. I think he's up to seven at Mark Winterbottom. He certainly didn't have a victory on the weekend. He was really challenged in, on the Friday night race. He had an altercation with Todd Hazel. Oh, that was a Todd. beauty, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was right in front of us actually, and uh, but he he improved his now, position. Who pays for those signs? <laughs> Which signs? Did, was it him that drove through the the three? No, that was Rick Kelly. Rick Kelly. Yeah, Rick Kelly. Rick yeah, Kelly. No, Rick Kelly. Uh, good question. I'm so the, the, this was the one where he got bumped off the track where the old pit entry is. No, no, this no, was another this one. was at the first corner. They came around the first corner and. And he, he met with Todd Hazelwood and they both went off and through the dirt and got cut or got covered with dirt, me and my son. Good fun. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> All right, and Ford, believe it or not, have taken ten of the last eleven poles at Barbagello. So covering 2015, 16, 17, Saturdays eighteen, and both 2019 races but definitely Holden's won more races there than Ford yeah still Ford yeah, yeah well we're catching up <laughs> not we, I shouldn't say we're yeah Ford are catching up we're catching <laughs> you and Dick Johnson and uh... yeah we're just hanging we're hanging alright on that note we'll just take a quick break here and we'll be back right after this All right, welcome back to the Talking Power episode. We are on 88.5 FM and iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. 88.5, where the valley comes alive. I've wanted to do that since we, since we got this gig. You, know? <laughs> it is, you do it so well as well. Hey, look, just to finish off with the supercars. So, yeah, there is, um, we actually caught up with Brad Jones as well. And he had a, we'll, we'll talk a bit about track resurfacing. He had a bit to say about the track resurfacing. So let's just listen to Brad Jones here. Hey, I'm with Brad Jones from Brad Jones Racing. Brad, thanks for joining us today. No worries. No trouble, Nick. Brad, um, the resurface of the Barbagallo surface, how's that... Um, I mean, obviously it's helped you. Um, are you surprised by how slick it is now, how quick it is? Um, I, uh, yeah, it certainly, uh, you know, sped the whole thing up. It's quite an interesting texture that they've put down here where um, I don't think we've quite seen the sort of grip that we, you know, we saw at Bathurst when they reserviced it or Tail and Bend. So I think it's a, a very different mix of material. So, um, but the other thing is over here, it seems to weather pretty harshly so hopefully there'll be some longevity in the surface that they put down. Yeah certainly I think the last resurface here was probably in the late 90s and you're, you're right it did weather pretty significantly a few years after that. Tell us just in that last practice session a bit a couple of hours ago would you have got much from that practice given that we're racing two night sessions here? Ah uh, yeah look we're going to be qualifying in a little while so I think that you know that practice session is all about about qualifying and and, um, and and getting on top of things. So I think anytime you run the car, you learn a little bit. Um, we just need to, you know, tonight is very different. There's no sun, the place is a lot cooler. Um, you know, we were expecting very little degradation from the new surface, but turns out there is some. So, um, you know, you learn a little bit, but it's, you know, it's probably not as, as ideal as last night was. 
No, no worries. Hey, look, Brad, we'll let you get back to it anyway, and uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. No worries. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me along. Yeah, so yeah, well. that's what I would have thought that, you know, the surface is proving, mm. you know, or, or are they just suggesting that the cars are that much better now? But the other thing is tyre degradation, you know? Yeah, the other thing as well, which is probably hasn't been spoken about on TV too much or in the wide widestream media, there was an appearance of puddles on the track. Even even though there was rain, a bit of rain Friday night and Saturday morning, we had a puddles appearing in the Super 2 race on Saturday evening and there was no rain for at least eight hours. These puddles, wow, where that, were the puddles from? The puddles came out, they were off the racing line, but they came up, there's a suggestion that the puddle came, the water came up from underneath. So they've hit the groundwater table? I wouldn't have thought so. No, surely not, no. no. Or it's not draining properly. I don't no, understand how the, water yeah. comes out of the asphalt. I don't know. That's there was weird. there was an appearance of... I would say the portaloos may be leaked. <laughs> yeah. There was an appearance of two puddles down the the back straight that appeared. <laughs> there was an after appearance a... of two drunk guys walking, <laughs> walking away from the. Anyway, I, don't know, I didn't want to go down that path. But oh, anyway, 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 the uh, the streetcar street reunion controversy. Now, yeah, this is huge. Now this is this is pretty big. This is pretty big. I feel anyway. So um, this is for all the radio racers out there. Now we should add that in our last podcast i did go back and um just had a little statement there saying that all the records that we'd spoken about in in particular jamie hancock's time the 359 have been now um struck off the records and so, they're not recognized anymore. so does that mean that no one has gone a 350 yet no that's correct so in, in in a nitrous car nitrous in a nitrous car yeah okay so this, clarify that. Yeah. yeah, so the streetcar reunion was held at Bowling Green, Kentucky. Which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but is the home of the National Corvette Museum. I believe that's correct, Todd. Oh. That was affected by a massive sinkhole. In uh, 2014. There you go. The You're more learning. Wealth of knowledge there, Very Todd. knowledgeable. <laughs> I read too much. Anyway. <laughs> Can never read too much, Todd. Anyway, we spoke about this a few podcasts ago and we said that, you know, Jamie Hancock, we since um, edited that and said that the record doesn't stand anymore. There was a discrepancy with the time and equipment. As so it, this was the, the first 350 that's for correct. a nitrous, nitrous car. car. yeah. 359. So the suggestion is, and this is why I get you on and I can, we can, I can explain it as well, but... Um, the guard beam, as it turned out, was not turned on or so, not to so, use. So for those of you that uh, don't know what Nick's talking about, in drag racing we have two little lights at the top of the Christmas trees. So the tris- Christmas trees are starting lights and they are the pre-stage and stage lights. Mm. And basically we have some uh, uh, light beams across the track as you roll forward you break the first beam when you break the first beam the first light comes on that's the top light you roll forward a little bit more and the second beam is broken by the tire and that turns on the second light and that that means you're in full stage so pre-stage full stage there is a third beam called the guard beam now what happens when the car rolls forward as soon as the beam makes contact with its receptor 
the timers start. But if you have your engine or uh, your headers, exhaust, um, or transmission hanging down low. So we need to have a minimum of three inches ground clearance from the front tire forward. Um, but because of the way our cars are built, it's difficult to create a lot of ground clearance behind the tire. Mm. Um, and now we have a mandate of two inches ground clearance in Australia, but that's that's a very specific rule, you know, governed in this country. The rest of the world follows its own rules. But once again, if the engine is mounted low, transmission, etc., etc., uh, it can stop that beam from reaching its its receptor. So we have a guard beam, which is a little bit further up. So if the timer doesn't start when you roll forward out of the beam, then it will when you hit the guard beam. So in this particular instance, it's been suggested that his car had some bodywork or, yep. or something that was hanging quite low yep. and possibly that the, um, the car moved quite a, a, a bit of a distance before we refer to that normally as rollout, um, but in this case, when you're using the bodywork, it's not rollout anymore because normally rollout's referring to the tire, as as the name suggests, it rolls out of the beam. So um, that would have a dramatic impact on the 60 foot time, which it did, and um, you know it was a, a, an unrealistic 60 foot time. I think it was in the point eights. Yeah, point eight nine one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, uh, yeah. Apparently, all the results have been withdrawn. Yeah, so I mean, what they, what Brock, uh, sorry, Bob Brockmeyer from Compulix said that he he believed the guard beam was off. Uh, had the guard beam been in place, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Is there an actually mandate in Australia for the guard beam to be used? Well, I mean, common sense, you know, should yeah. prevail. But yeah, there has been some race results in the past where there's been some scepticism as to whether mm. the guard beam was on. I believe the one track actually admitted the guard beam wasn't on. Look, you know, we had a really good system in Australia. Uh, we had a system that scrutinised results very well. Mm. And you had to have your results. You had to do a backup run within 1% to claim a record. Um, the... I mean, there's only one way for, that I can say this, whether people agree with it or not, I don't really care, but the advent of the millennial racer yeah. has meant that we have the one-shot wonders that um, they run a number and regardless of whether there was a timing problem or not, they're claiming the record. So, mm. you know, I mean, there, there are some dubious records that have been run over the years that um, even even just some performances i've seen something similar to this happen where um regardless of the the guard beam if you if you time it right and go really red right so depending on which type of timing system you've got some of them will register a negative 400 which means you've taken off before the tree's actually activated mm. um you can get the tire past the guard beam before the timer starts. So you get a full car length of run-up. And I remember many, many years ago, um, a car that, that uh, would run 11.1 for the quarter mile um, and typically go, you know, one five around there to 60 foot, um, reeled off a 10.7 and went a one two to 60 foot. 
and you know I, I said to the guy that didn't really run a 10.7 look at the 60 foot time it's three tenths quicker than what it would normally be <clears throat> it's run another 11.1 or 11.0 around there but he you know took that 10.7 <laughs> And said that you know he had a 10 second streetcar so i think that yeah with enough cardboard and sticky tape you could probably pull anything off these days yeah look i mean the the, the duck really got worked up about this and threatened uh federal lawsuit against the track um and uh went no, to, Nick, took to social media which was a bit disappointing nick i understand why the duck donald long you know he's really been the driving force of this radio racing mm. he's created all the fanfare and hype because i mean at the end of the day um if you've got a, a track that that is basically like um uh fly paper you know yeah. like or sticky tape or you know whatever however you want to describe it um really all that's left is the weight of the vehicle versus the amount of power that you make you know what i mean which is why i kind of I don't, I don't get some of the hatred that the radial guys have got towards slicks. You know, I've seen some really offensive T-shirts. Yeah, uh, I've seen them. Yeah, and 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 it doesn't make any sense because number one, you look at a pro radial, it's a slick. <laughs> it's that's it's you know, there ain't no tread on there. I don't know where these guys get off on saying they're DOT. Which department of transport approved those and for what exactly? <laughs> for wheelbarrows? For car trailers? Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really get it. And, and it kind of, if you, um, if you set an unrealistic uh, goal for people to achieve and, and they can't get there, then, you know, it's going to skew all the results. Mm. So I think the reason the duck... Um, you know, made a big deal about this is because that 60-foot time was pretty phenomenal. Now, maybe one day they'll be able to achieve it. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, according to him, it's impossible. Mm. Anyway, on that note, we'll take a short break here. When we get back from the break, we're going to be talking Andrew Grand Final. I know it was a few weeks ago, but we got more interviews from the Andrew Grand Final. Hey, I'm here with Kyle Putland. Kyle, thanks for joining us on the Talking Power podcast. Um, you've rocketed straight to number one in that, that qualifying run there, a considerable distance uh, length under your index. How's things going? Yeah, no, it's perfect. Um, you know, we've been you know been trying you know lots and lots of things um, the last two years. Um, haven't really had too much luck, and yeah, I had a new train of thought for this next or for this that last lap and. It's uh seems to be working quite well. <laughs> yeah, so the warning shot's been fired obviously, so it was a yeah, as I said, a considerable um gap under the index. So probably will put you quite high up in qualifying I would have thought. Um so season, just run us through the whole season, how it's how it's gone for you. Yeah, we so we started the season um with the automatic again, um the second season with the auto. Um yeah, we changed, you know, didn't really change too much from last season, um, you know, but it's, you know, the, the converter just makes so much torque, um, well, the modification of the torque, and trying to get our head around that from the manual um, has been a little bit difficult. But, you know, it's it really, like, from, from last meeting um, to this meeting, I think we're um, kind of on top of things right now. 
Well, it's a good time to be on top of things, I guess, isn't it? We're coming into the Andrew Grand Final meet here. Um, you're quite high up, even in comp eliminator po points. I, I think you're in fifth or fourth spot. Yeah, something like that. You know, like we won the Golden States um, and then Western Nationals. Um, yeah, that's right. First, first qualifier hurt the transmission. So, you know, we only went, you know, 20 feet and that was that. Um, but, you know, most of this season is just, you know, just about having fun again. Like, you know, all the other seasons have been, you know, pushing to get the car going and we really, well, we haven't, as much as we've taken a step back, we're enjoying it a lot more now. Tell us a bit about the the, the um, three-seater car, how that's been going for you. We talked about it at the uh, celebration of motorsport. You hadn't you hadn't actually run it at that stage, so you've done a few, quite a few passes with it now. Had a few people in the car as well, from what I can see. So tell us a bit about it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the, you know they are running now. We've done about six events now. Um, we've done private hire, private hires for down the track for companies. Um, you know the the cars are bulletproof you know they just you know last last meeting um had over 60 people turn up so it's you know proving very very popular um you know there are only there are only two of six cars that can do this in the world to be honest i've watched some of the video and it looks it looks so exciting so for those of you that um are listening and haven't seen uh what we're talking about head on over to your Facebook page, which is the Drag Race Experience. All right, Cole, look, thanks for joining. And a lot of our listeners listening at the moment through 885 FM would be um, close to you. You're, you're from the Matervale region? Yeah, yeah, um, you know, born and bred in Matervale. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful area out there. There's a car run that goes in deep into the eights, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, cars run eights at over 250 k's an hour. So, um, yeah, it's... Let's just quantify that a bit. We'll, we'll go so some of our listeners who don't understand, like your latest HSV runs something 14s or 15s, uh, sorry, probably 13s, I should say. So you're a considerable speed and time underneath that, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. It's um, yeah, a lot of people like put it into more into perspective. People come down and they say they've got you know they've got these hotted up cars. You know, oh yeah, they'll be fine. But when they come, they jump out of these. They apologise and <laughs> you know can't believe what's just happened to them. Um, and you know you're in, in extremely safe hands with myself and Al McClure and the other car. So both seasoned drivers, you guys. So yeah, no, certainly that's the case. All right, Kyle. Look, I'll let you get back to it. I know you got things to do. You're in the number one spot. Congratulations and well done, and all the best for the weekend. No, yep. Thank you. We'll see you later. Okay, I'm here with Colin Davis. Cole, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Cole, tell us a bit about the Ford Probe. Um, I know you've been campaigning this car for a while now, but you're fairly new to the new ranks of uh, top sportsmen. Yeah, that's dead right. We're new in, um, but the car's probably about the third quickest in the state because Amanda Martin's got a quicker one now that does sixes. But thanks to the people that helped me with this car it's going really well and uh, we've got on board we've got sponsors like Sandro Principi over here from SCM we've got VP Fuel we've got all-star torque converters we've got lethal industries sitting over here behind me uh, to help with panel work and he works on my engine as well then we've got a uh, Michael Michael um, crossing is behind us from race on customs so I've got a bunch of really good people around me, and if you haven't got that, it's hard. 
They are formidable people, the people you just mentioned. And I know people that are listening to the podcast or listening to us on 885 that are into drag racing will know that the list of guys you just mentioned are really well known. That really helps you when you're doing uh, stuff like this, especially in top sportsmen where you're racing on a handicap. So you've got to be really um, on, your, on your handicap. Really quick reaction times. You need to have a car that's going to run straight, don't you? Oh, that's dead right. Uh, we had a few issues, issues earlier this year, electrical faults, and as soon as I revved the car up, it took off. And in the end, we tracked it down to electrical issues. But this car in general, especially with the help from Michael Crossing, goes dead straight, arrows straight. It's fantastic. I feel great in it, driving it. Tell us a bit about Top Sportsman then. It's a relatively new class to Andra and to especially also over here in Western Australia. I think it's been running third, maybe it's third year now or second year. Um, tell us how what, you, what your thoughts are on Top Sportsman. I really like it because it puts a car like mine up against other very fast cars, whereas before we were up against, you know, eight, nine second cars. Now you have to be quicker than eight seconds to be in Top Sportsman. So we've got others that are doing sevens. Amanda does sixes. So it's more competitive. We're all a friendly group and, and it's all, it's great. Yeah, I think the difference of speed was was certainly an issue or a hangover from super sedan in years gone by. So I certainly agree. Bringing those faster super sedan cars up into top sportsmen uh, has certainly been a good thing. Hey, look, Cole, is there any other sponsors or anyone in the crew you'd like to thank? Well, just the crew in general, including my wife down home who prepares all the foods and things and does all the behind-the-scenes work. So... And the people here that I haven't mentioned, uh, there's a few scattered around, but they don't have businesses, but they come and help me. And I really, really appreciate it. Drag racing is built on a lot of volunteer time, isn't it? And, you know, no one, no one does this sport for the coin, that's for sure. So, look, I, I, yeah, it's, it's certainly a lot of hard work. It's a beautiful car. I love it, the Ford Probe. Um, we wish you all the best for this weekend. Uh, stay safe out there and all the best. Thank you very much. Pleasure. All right, I'm here with John Sabo, super street racer. He's down here at the Andrew Grand Final, uh, local from Allenbrook. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. John, tell us a bit about your ride this weekend because it's different to your normal ride. It's the, one of the Beat the Heat cars. Can you tell us, firstly, tell us a bit about Beat the Heat? Uh, Beat the Heat is uh, the police drag racing team that come down and... Uh, try and promote off-street racing for the for the community uh, they do a really good job uh, this weekend they've let me have tango three for the weekend uh, which was very very uh, nice of them to let me have um, got through the first round didn't make the second no that's all right I mean yet super street is a pretty tough tough eliminator as we know so yeah it's not it's not the easiest uh, sort form of racing so that's Tango 3 there. I know there's there's three cars all up, so some of the crew are having a bit of a chuckle at our expense job by the sound of it. Um, tell us a bit about some of the other Tango cars and, and um, the work that Mike Pearson's done as well. Oh, Mike does a great job. Um, all up, they've got five cars. Tango 1, which is basically retired, but it comes out for special events. That normally lives at Whiteman Park, which is a great place to go and have a look at some uh, classic cars. Uh, Tango 2 is a Pontiac GTO, which has got a supercharged LSA in it. Um, Lee Watson's been driving that this year. Done an awesome job. He's uh, 
Red lit first round around 9.94. So out of bracket, Andrew, we're going to have a little talk to him later on. Uh, Tango 3 is the one I've got, which is a uh, sports wagon. Um, it's just a naturally aspirated LS3. I think it's got a best of 11.20 on it. Uh, I can only manage 11.50s out of it. Might be because I'm a bit heavier than some of the regular drivers. Uh, T4. Don't know much about T4, to be honest with you. Uh, T5 is the, the latest one. It is also supercharged. LSA runs 1080s, I think. So. so it's important to note that these cars, although they're um, they're 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 based on police cars, that the cars are actually donated. The cars are definitely donated. Um, they're basically mule cars, test cars, except for the Pontiac, which I heard was damaged at the wharf. Um, but yeah, they're all definitely donated by Holden, which is good on them. Yeah, it certainly is, and it's a good initiative by by uh, Mike and his crew at Beat the Heat. John, moving on, uh, tell us a bit about your 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 background in in racing, and uh, I know you've you've raced against Simon for I don't know twenty, I reckon over twenty years easily now. So yeah, tell us a bit about your background. I think the first time I raced Simon was probably at Ravenswood, and I think he had the Cortina. We didn't really know each other back then. Um, he was young and loud, and I was a little bit older I think but yeah um, I was racing a borrowed car he was in the silver Cortina I think um, we've raced quite a few times in various cars I think the last time was probably in the Datto um, here at the Motorplex but that was a long time ago always fun to race Simon but yeah no, it certainly is so a little bit about your you've currently well this year or the start of the year your campaign in the wagon you've had that for some time uh, started the wagon, I think it was 2001 was the first time the wagon came down, and that was XE. Um, looked like an XE, it was an XE. Um, it's been through a few variations. Uh, it's now got an XD front on it because I like that better, it matches my other car. Um, it's currently being rebuilt to go still in Super Street but go 10 0. Hopefully, I'll have it here next year. No, that's excellent, John. Hey, look, John, thanks for your time today. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I uh, know you're an Allenbrook local, so it's good to good to have you out here today and representing Beat the Heat uh, in the meantime as your car's getting uh, rebuilt. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Okay, welcome back to the Talking Power podcast. We're on 88.5 FM. Where the valley comes alive. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, 400 Thunder, this was run this week. Um, was it? Yeah. Look, I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And I, and I certainly don't disagree with what um, the 400 Thunder have done. Um, they've done they've, something? No, they've, they've done... I, I, I think it's well within their right to do. So, look, they've charged this year. Well, have charged, they charged or is OVO? Well, it's OVO. The, them. I mean, it's done with their consent, obviously, or it's done under licence. So they're charging $6 for the live feed. Yeah. Now, that's not a lot of money. No. Let's be fair. That's no. not a lot of money at all. No. To, to, to watch live the live feed. But see, the thing is, Nick, it's not just the 6 bucks. It's the data you use at the same time. Mm, yep. So if you're on a, a, a you know pretty crappy data plan, that cost you could cost you six hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, it could it could be quite expensive. Six thousand dollars. <laughs> my my problem is this. This is where I have a problem. And now I what think, happens if you log out 
Can you log back in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once, you, once you're in, you're in. And you can log in and out as many times as you want. You don't need to pay the six bucks again. The six bucks was, was for your... Um, for the whole weekend, um, the whole the whole day, it was yeah. a one day event. Yep. Sorry, Todd. You can now, ask. is is it available on um, any streaming services from America? Perhaps uh, Motor Trend. Not that I'm promoting them in any manner, but uh, no, it wasn't. Ah, uh, damn. Nah, they would have stitched it. I got better coverage of the V8s on Motor Trend from America than I did on Foxtel from Australia. Yeah. But the, my my issue is not not the six dollars. My issue is that it doesn't. It, it doesn't inhibit um, a good social media following. Now, while Mel Bully was running Andra and Andra was running the sport and promoting the sport and doing a very good job of promoting the sport, we had a TV deal. Mm. Yep. A free-to-air TV deal. Mm-hmm. Now what do we got? So you can watch two different types of equestrian sports on two different free-to-air stations. You can watch eSports primetime. V8 supercars, MotoGP. You can't watch Formula One. You got to pay for that. Mm. <laughs> well, you can watch it a week later. That's no, only highlights you, as well. It's highlights only. Mm-hmm. But you can't watch drag racing. Oh no, no, no. Look, well, you can. You can pay six bucks. <laughs> but but I, and I don't have an issue with the six dollars. We had live streaming for free under Andra. Yeah. You know, surely the races that are trying to attract the sponsors. Wouldn't they want more coverage? Um, most definitely. So what's this? This is nothing. This is rubbish. This, this, the, the, and this is this is my point that I'm saying is that the the the, the follow on from this has been a real poor. Like I've gone to the 400 Thunder website and they give you a rundown in, in who won and whatnot. There's no video footage there of the finals. Now, there was a video footage of Zaps and Paul Mahoyet's final. I don't know how that got come out. I'm really not sure, but that one is available to, to view. Um, but my problem is I can't see any of the other finals after the fact. Now, I understand to see it live, you've got to pay the $6. Get that. No problem. No problem. But after the event has been, how long is uh, the, the withholding period where we can view these races well, probably that's forever. my question probably forever this is probably their way of saying well if you want to see you got to pay for it yeah regardless if it's a week a month a year yeah but years. even formula one i can i can i can muscle through the you only wait you get the highlights package is uh a day later it's only one day later yeah and it's okay it's a highlights package but even with formula one we get that and and it's a shame that not many people got to watch it, or, or you know, or the ones that did were forced to pay the six dollars, because there were some incredible passes, including yeah. Luke Crowley. He became the first Australian into the sixes on a pro bike. Mm, yeah, yeah, he was a six ninety, I believe. Okay, in pro alcohol, we saw championship leader um, Gary Phillips basically lock up the title. How many? Oh, that was over Steve Reed. Fifteen, sixteen. That's crazy, isn't it? I think it's More? actually 17, 17, to be honest. I think 17. It's 17, yeah. So a great effort from Gary there. That's that's a, that's amazing. Um, first round, we had a drama with Robert Ambrosio suffering a broken camshaft mm. at half track. Usually ends in a fireball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, without reiterating, I didn't get to see that. No, no, no. <laughs> 
No, but we heard. We heard through the grapevine. We had our good authority. <laughs> Over in Top Fuel, we had Wayne Newby taking on um, Ashley Sanford. As so in all, the... all Reposado locked yeah, out there. Yeah, it was. It was. And look, isn't it funny? We're ha- it's like almost Groundhog Day. We're having... It'll be very reminiscent of last year where we had Kelly... Uh, and Wayne Newby going into the final round of all the Winter Nationals, uh, and they're going to be deciding the championship, no doubt. And Kelly is only a mere... A mere... Oh, it's got to be like 10, 15 points, yeah? Yeah, I think she's... Uh, there you go. It's 14 points yeah. behind yep. Wayne Newby. So very reminiscent of close, last year. Very close. Can't final. wait to see that one. And this is going to wrap out at the, the Winters, That's yeah. correct, yeah. But everything will wrap up at the Winters. Now, now I've got to know. 6th and 9th of June. I've got to know, is Top Fuel going to boycott this? No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I probably shouldn't say that, but yeah, it's at this stage, it looks like... Has the truth be- come out about why they boycotted Sydney? There's, there's been a lot said. No, they didn't boycott Sydney, they boycotted... The problem was that they boycotted Willowbank. Oh, sorry, Willowbank. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. couldn't race at Sydney because of the safety net. No, Willowbank, they didn't race because of the safety, of the safety net. net. But the safety net of Sydney was damaged when... Um, Sam went in there. Yeah, Sam Fennick went in there. There's been a lot of to and throw in with that as well, and there's been reports run by the Sarkis brothers, which I don't pretend to know anything about, and I'm not going to get into here. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll send you the report oh, oh. that they've had done from an independent body. The independent body. report, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and, and what's said, that? Is that regarding the incident or the net? The net. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that pans out. I'd yeah, it'll be. So so they are they taking any legal action against the IHRA? Not at this stage. Not no. at this stage. No. no. But I'll I'll send you the report and you can have a read yourself. Yeah. The last statement I saw was in Drag News, mm. uh, and it was from one of the circuses. Yep. And. Um, Basically, he he said that he had nothing further to say until the independent report was done. He's had that done. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll send it to you. Okay. We'll we'll, cut, we'll right. cover off on that in another episode. So, um, well, I'm looking forward to see see what happens there. The Lamentinas against the Reposadas. Mm. See whether the carrots can get on top of the cranes. <laughs> yeah. Pro stock, we had Aaron Tremaine taking victory over his brother Tyrone, six ninety one. Could, um, could possibly be the only two guys running pro stock. I think... Um, <laughs> and Chris Soldatis. Yeah, yeah, let's have a look at it. We'll just have a quick look at the pro stock. No, Chris, Chris is actually in second spot, but it's going to be a bit of an ask. He's 60-odd uh, points behind now, or 50, 57 to be exact, behind. Pro slammer. Old Zap, he got one back. He did. He did. Got now, one back now it's interesting. I haven't seen the footage, obviously not. <laughs> I, it, it is available. Go watch it. It is an awesome race. Paul but but um, the uh, the giant wheel stand... is massive. Yeah. Yeah. So there's been some speculation about, um, about the characteristics of the car and cars that generally do that. Um, you know, that people have seen, like radial cars, for example, um, they do it because they're what we call dead hooking, mm. which in theory you, you can't do with a door slammer because the whole thing is, is, you know, it's all about making wheel speed. So I wonder if there's some sort of traction limiting device on that vehicle. 
I really, I know what you're saying, but it had the front wheels well and truly into the air, well and truly into the air. And I, it was a magnificent race actually. And Zap had it all crossed up at the end of the track. Yeah, just after the finish line, went into Paul's lane. Yeah, very reminiscent of me and Eddie. Yes, it was. It was very reminiscent of that. All right, guys. Well, look, we'll wrap this one up. Um, anyway, great to see Zap back on top. Yeah, it That's, was. Uh, it was. All right, guys. Well, we'll finish this podcast here. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.talkandpower.com.au. As Todd headbutts the microphone. <laughs> Catch us at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Nick. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.